If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider helping by supporting our show. Although never expected, any support for our show enables us to keep bringing the audiobook club to your ears. Hello and welcome to the Audiobook Club. In this week's episode, we're so lucky to be joined by New York Times bestselling author Serena Valentino. Serena, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm very well, John. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you today. Oh, we're very, very pleased to have you. I see we, I say we, it's uh, it's just me here, but I'm very, very pleased uh, nonetheless. <laughs> now, um, on the show, um, we usually like to start off with a little bit of a self-introduction. Could you, could you perhaps tell us a little about your background, how and when you found writing and, and decided to pursue that? Well, um, my background's actually in theater. So, um, you know, I went, I, I always I was always interested in, in performing um, theater, musical theater, and that's what I went to school to do. And, um, but I think like deep within my heart, what I always wanted to be was, you know, a storyteller and yeah. to write books. I grew up with um, a learning disability, I'm dyslexic. And so I, I think I always sort of feared that I wouldn't ever, you know, be up to the mark, you know, to being, mm. to being an author. Um, and one day I just sat down and wrote a story and I shared it with a friend of mine who is a comic book illustrator. And he was like, this would be a really good, really good comic. You know, like, why don't, you know, we talk about me illustrating it. And it was sort of like magic, really, because the moment that I did that, the moment I wrote that story, the moment I had somebody like wanting to collaborate with me, I realized I found what I truly always wanted to do. Um, and so that's how it happened for me. I mean, and, and I was lucky the first story I wrote got published. Wow. Um, we, we, we kind of made our own like self-published uh, version of this comic book and we took it to San Diego Comic-Con and showed it around to see if we can get anybody interested and we found a publisher who um, essentially invited us to pitch. So we went home and I came up with a pitch for this comic book series which is called Gloom Cookie. It was um, it was a series that was out in the in the 90s um, and I've been writing ever since. Now I haven't been writing full time ever since, but that's yeah. when my journey, journey in writing, um, truly started. Yeah, that's fascinating. It's great to hear as well that about your musical theatre background. So you mentioned you sort of been drawn to storytelling. Were you drawn to performing then at a younger age? As you say, that's what you went to to into education for. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and that's that's sort of the approach that. Um, that I take when I'm writing, you know, because, uh, you know, and then I'm sure that you could probably relate to this being a voice actor. Uh, you just, for me, I really just want to get to know who the character is. I figure out, you know, who the character is, what their motivations are, what drives them, you know, what happened to them. And I use all that with like my storytelling. And so it's almost like I'm being, you know, I'm that person while I'm writing the story, I take it on as like, an acting role almost. Um, but yeah, I, I loved performing um, all the way through up until, you know, like college age, I guess, yeah. you know, was the last time I was really in any like theater productions, you know, obviously nothing big, <laughs> but, you know, but it was fun. You know, I think, I think one of the last plays I was in was a Noel Coward play, um, Private Lives. And that was that was wonderful. I loved I loved doing that play. Oh, very nice, very nice indeed. I yeah, I get where you're coming from totally. There, I think I often found when um, if doing you know the little bit of theatre that I've done in the past, or you know doing a voice acting role or narrating an audiobook, I think, or just to be honest, just reading, uh, you know, just for pleasure as as you do. I think you find out more about yourself through other people's stories as well. I think there's a sort of mirror um, aspect to to stories that you can sort of, uh, you know, approach yourself and, and learn more about yourself. I always found that. I agree with that. <clears throat> I get a lot of um, feedback from from my readers, you know, when they're reading the books or after they've read them and they seem to be able to relate, you know, to what's, you know, what's happening in these characters' lives and, and is exactly as you described, you know, it's sort of like a mirror. Um, what thrills me 
is when, or touches me rather, is when a reader finds something that's you know similar to something that's happening in their life and therefore they're able to get the courage from what the character did in the story to remove themselves say from a terrible situation or get yeah. through a hard time in their lives that's when i feel like i'm really doing my job you know yeah. is, is being able to help my readers in that way yeah absolutely i mean that i think that's you know that's perfect a perfect example of why stories are so necessary to us um as you say they can get us through some incredibly tough times when um transit when setting up you know you at the gloom cookie and, and, and having that idea there when you finally got pen to paper as it were was it just sort of like a light bulb moment for you of thinking oh, this is this is what i should be doing it absolutely was um it was remarkable because you know, I, I was trying to find my thing, you know, I was, you, mm. know, you know, acting, I wanted to sing, you know, like sing in bands, I had thought about possibly, you know, going to school to learn opera, you know, like I was really kind of in the mode of trying to find my way to express myself artistically. And I enjoyed doing those things, um, but something about writing, resonated in me in a way that nothing had before and I realized in that moment this is what I'm going to do forever and there are certainly times when it looked as if I wasn't going to be able to because it's a hard road when you know for any of us who do things that are unconventional you know and and so sometimes you know you get rejected and sometimes it doesn't look like you're going to make it or you're going to well you know you're able to make a living at the thing that you love doing and i just i just kept trying and and sometimes i felt foolish doing so but i'm really happy mm-hmm. i did because i'm you know i'm doing what i love and and um i'm able to do that full time and and i know that it is 100% well not 100% but like a lot to do with with my readers and and the support that I get from them. I mean, if they didn't want to keep buying the books, then I wouldn't be writing it still. <laughs> so <laughs> really, it's really like thanks to them. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I get that. It's it's so tough, isn't it, pursuing you know a creative endeavor, and it can be so um yeah for, for there's a you can have a lot of dark years there when it seems like no one quite believes in you, and you have to sort of keep persevering even though there's sort of no end in sight, or so it seems. So it's it's very tough indeed. It's it's especially tough when when you got you have that aha moment that you'd mentioned, you know where. Mm-hmm it becomes clear, this is what I have to do, you know, Um, because the idea of of having to do anything else, it's almost inconceivable. I don't know. Is that been your experience? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think it was, I think it's like, it is that sort of, I have to do something. I have to do something creative. I need, I need to be doing something along the lines of what I'm doing. Um, You know, and that's kind of what, how it's been for me is that I've always, you know, I've, it, is, it has been that sort of perseverance of when, you know, you haven't got many jobs booked in. It's like, well, what's the alternative? It's not doing this anymore, and that's just not an option. Um, you know, I'll be doing this for free. Um, you, know, along, you know, I'll be doing this for as long as I can physically do it. Um, and I guess that sort of helps that, you know, push to try and create more opportunities for yourself and all things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, there are certainly things, other things that I enjoy doing creatively besides, yeah. besides writing, you know, I did uh, for a while when times were lean, I was teaching a course on comic book script writing. Mm. I love teaching, you know, it's, it's fun. I love, you know, having time to interact with my students and um, teach them how to, you know, visually write, you know, write a story yeah. and um, using like silent film as an example of of storytelling that isn't reliant upon you know upon words and so I found I found that like a lot of you know a lot of fun unfortunately you know these days I don't have the time to do that because I am writing full-time I you know you know we just came out with um you know never never yes story and <laughs> you know simultaneously and I, so I'm dealing you know have the release of that and I'm writing the next book now which is so exciting 
and um, and then finishing up um, another book, and then I've got finishing up another book that's in you know copy editing right now, yeah. and uh, promoting two more that are coming out. This <laughs> so, my goodness, so, yeah, yeah. A busy time. It certainly sounds like that's incredibly uh, exciting. I have lots of questions uh, to ask you about those upcoming projects uh, or the ones that you can talk about at least um, coming up later in the show. But you you began with uh, a Gloom Cookie and that series. How does your approach to writing, creating that world, planning and prepping, etc., how does that differ between writing a comic book and let's say, like you know, the Villains series? Is your approach any different? Well, I mean, when I first when I first started writing was when I started writing the comic book Gloom Cookie, <clears throat> and it was entirely by the seat of my pants. You know, there was no mm. pre planning. There wasn't any time to because you know I had just, I literally had just written a, a little story, and as I said, my friend you know said, well, you know, let's see if we can get something working with it. And you know, on the plane ride home from San Diego. I'm thinking, okay, I've got to think of a bunch of stuff to put in this pitch, you know, mm-hmm. for this publisher. And I really just sort of brainstormed it on the plane ride home. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, and it was a quarterly book, you know, so it, it came out like every three months. And so I just sort of decided what was, it was, it was kind of like a serial comic, like a, like a soap opera in a way. And so it was really just kind of like this, this ongoing drama. It was like a supernatural, (laughs) like a supernatural (laughs) drama. Um, And it was completely, completely by the seat of my pants. Um, Nowadays, I tend to do a bit more planning. I'm sort of, you know, people always ask, I don't, I don't really like the word Panzer, you know, but people say, "Are you yeah. a panzer or a planner?" Panzer, that word doesn't make sense to me. I'm like a panther. Are you asking if I'm wearing pants? Like, what is it? Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I'm kind of in between. Um, I I have big picture plans, like say we'll use villains for example. I have like an overall. Um, story arc um that i'm sure you noticed with all the stuff to do with the odd sisters and yeah. cersei and all of that nanny they are uh, major characters throughout the entire series so i have like my overall like plan like things that i've been planning since like the beginning of the series but because i like to embrace these characters like acting roles and i know what i want them to be doing beginning middle and end of the story when i sit down to write it because i spend a lot of time thinking before I sit down and you know yeah type type on the keyboard I still know that they're going to take me to places that are unexpected so it's it's um, it's just as fun for me to sit down and write it and I'll get surprised in ways that I think the readers get surprised by by you know by reading it you know because sometimes they'll take me on a different path they'll take me on a different journey like the scene with a uh, James um, going on that journey to find the cake for the yeah. odd sisters. I didn't plan that, but that's what, James, <laughs> that's what James wanted to do in that story in that moment. It just like popped into my mind and I'm like, all right, James is going to go on a, on a quest to find a cake. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like a little bit of a sort of, so you have the overall arc and then, but you also sort of allow yourself that freedom to run with it and run with the, you know, as it, as it sort of comes and where the characters lead you, would you say that sort of? That's that's absolutely it. Yeah. And, you know, and my, my, I'll sometimes deviate wildly from, from the uh, outlines that I'll give Mm. them. And I'll sometimes like, I'll add many more chapters in my second draft than will be in the first and my editors are just cool with it they're like this is Serena's process this is how she creates and um you know so far they've been great with it you know like I have a lot of freedom when I'm writing these stories um for characters that aren't mine you know so I feel I feel lucky to to you know to have this job quite frankly are you sort of you know when it comes to your writing practice are you you driven by like a a daily word count for example like how is your writing time structured is it daily is it you know how how is it 
How does it sort of work? Ideally, it would be daily, you know, so I do what I do try to stick to a particular word count per day. Um, it's usually, you know, if you just do the math, you know, I know like how long my first drafts, how many words they usually are. So I, you know, mm. know that if I want to get that done in the amount of time that I have, then I have a particular amount of words I needed to produce per day. But sometimes life happens and you can't write for a couple of days because, you know, your dog is having health problems or yeah. you just have too many chores or whatever. And that word, daily word count accumulates. And that means the next time you sit down and you're going to write, you need to write three days worth of, of work. So that's that's kind of how it works. <laughs> you sort of hear about that, like, you know, rituals or certain sort of like, you know, ways to sort of get back in that zone. Music is a is quite a popular one I hear. Is there anything like that um, that you sort of use to get yourself in the zone? Any sort of, you know, so for Never Never, were there any sort of pirate, uh, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean theme music going on? Or is it, is it, is it purely from uh, from yourself? I love that there's authors who can listen to music while they're writing. Yeah. Um, I envy that because I love listening to music in general. So I might like listen to something like before I sit down to write, that might be part of my process. I'll sometimes like watch stuff or go somewhere that I'm inspired by. Um, more times than not, I love just doing the research, just reading about like characters from history or that time period that I'm writing in. Um, but no, I, I didn't, I didn't listen to any music. I, for, for James, I had just done a bunch of research about pirates for, yeah. um, for another book that, that I'm writing, a graphic novel that I'm writing. So I felt really lucky that I already had all that knowledge in my brain. Yeah. And like, and for James, like his story was one that I was easily able to just jump right into because I felt like I'd been living with him in my mind for quite, quite some time. Like I was just ready to write his story. <laughs> so say that you're, you know, you, 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 you're writing uh, like, you know, the next book and things, and you might have the idea for the character for the next one, or maybe even the one after that. Is that sort of bubbling up in your mind as you're, as you're writing along? Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, while I'm writing one story, the others are definitely in my mind because I'm setting things up for the future story since it is um, a series. And I like to drop hints and Easter eggs and because all of my readers are little sleuths and they're looking for those <laughs> things. And I love, love like hearing all their guesses and theories <laughs> and, and it makes me happy when you know when they get to you know when they discover those discover those secrets and then they have those moments when the next book comes and goes I knew that that was going to happen um so for example the the story I'm writing now I mean I can't share who you know which villain it is um but I will say that it's interesting. I think it's going to be very cool for the readers because it's tying together almost all of the books. Little instances throughout the entire series will be revealed why they were important in this book. And it's I like my when my editor read the outline, she was just like, "Oh my goodness! Like your readers are going to <laughs> out!" Like she's like, "I can't, I can't believe that this has been so intricately planned, like for so uh, long." Yeah. <laughs> you know. So yes, I definitely always have like what's coming next. I plan all the books like well ahead of time. Like I know. Yeah. I know who the next few books are going to be. That's fascinating. Well, I'm for one very excited to uh, to learn more when the time comes. Um, I saw one video um, quite recently. I think I believe it was on your Instagram um, of uh, a person reacting to um, the end of uh, Never Never, and that must bring you so much joy. It really does. I was just talking to somebody about that yesterday. Um, it, it never occurred to me in my life that anybody would do um, a TikTok reaction to <laughs> with me or my books. And I just, 
I loved it. I loved it. It was so cool. I mean, I've been getting so many, so many readers telling me that they were, they say shook, like by that ending. And I, you know, I thought, I thought like maybe it might be a surprise, you know, that it would be like a cool twist ending, but I didn't realize it would have the impact it did. (laughs) (laughs) How did that, how did that ending resonate for you? I mean, you were James, right? You were like, James in that moment like how did that feel for you well I had um, my sister is a sound engineer and she proofed um she proofs my work uh, when she can um and uh, so we she was going through the the proofing stage of uh, of my files uh, before sending it off um and it just sort of helps the production team and things you know just to to quicken their uh, load um and it was all we spoke about it was such an amazing um, experience. Oh, I'm I'm so pleased to hear that. Like, you don't have to say that. <laughs> no, it was. I, I I mean that honestly. I know it sort of sounds like I'm just sort of saying it um, to be polite because you're on my podcast and things. But the, but no, genuinely, it was uh, one of the funnest, most fun experiences I've had. I was trying to think of, of a way to sort of sum it up, and the best way to sort of say it is that every morning when I would sort of wake up and, you know, I'd, I'd sort of run through everything that I've got to do that day. It was, I didn't have to do that. I woke up and said, I'm recording for Never Never today. This is going to be great. And I knew that from the, from prepping the manuscript, which took, um, you know, which usually takes a couple of days, right? It took me no time at all because I did it in one session because I was enjoying it that much. Um, and I had to keep, I had to keep reminding myself that I was there to do a job and not just reading it for pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) But there's been, there's been so much feedback based around uh, how sort of relatable and honest these characters are and feel. Um, I know from Never Never, I hear from everyone I've recommended the series to that they come back saying how much more understandable Captain Hook is and how, how much empathy they have for him is, is it fun making these typically antagonistic characters into more relatable human people? You know, it, it, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's it's heartbreaking, right? Because yeah. we, we know where the stories are going to end, you know. And it, you know, and it, but the thing is, is that that's how life is. I mean, people. You know, it's it something that I was saying to my friend the other day because. One of the reviews that I read is that they felt they didn't feel like James was Captain Hook, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't feel yeah. like it was Captain Hook's story. <clears throat> and and you know, until the end. Yeah. And um, and I was laughing and I said, Well, what did they expect? You know, a little baby pirate was going to pop out of its mother with a hook on his hand and be like, I'm Captain Hook, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and like and it's just like you know so we, we all start off you know young and innocent and, and yeah. we have our experiences and our lives and I wanted to give a chance to show what these people's experiences might be and and, and in a way <clears throat> they're psychological studies really you know it's like and I and I try with each one of my stories to put something in there that is either you know experience of my own or experience mm. of somebody that that I'm close to or or to a group of people in the world that I feel need to see themselves in my story um so for example um the book I wrote about Ursula mm. uh, poor unfortunate soul um that book was about somebody being forced to live their life in a way that wasn't authentic to them, forcing them to not be authentic to themselves, not be their true selves, the selves that makes them happy, the self that they feel like they are. And that was my way of reaching out to the trans community and letting them know you're seen and you're loved and we don't want you to be anything other than who you feel you are. Yeah. And and there were there were so many young um, trans people like reaching out to me and saying, thank you for writing that book. And it's subversive. You know, it isn't like right out there, but they saw it. They were like, thank you. Thank you for giving me the courage, you know, to, yeah. to be myself. And, you know, with the, the Beast book, uh, uh, The Beast Within, 
that book was like one of the largest portions of that story was about getting out of abusive relationships. And I had women mm. uh, and men writing me to say, to thanking me for, for showing me, you know, showing them like a strong character, somebody who, who was in a horrible situation, who was able to find the courage to get out of it. And so it's, it's, that's, that's one of the most important parts about writing the series for me is, you know, treating these characters as real people, you know, and, and relatable yeah. people, whether, you know, in some of the characters we are going to empathize with. I mean, James, certainly yeah. like, I wish that James had just taken Cersei's advice in the dead woods and stayed there and yeah. not <laughs> not yeah. you know that's what I wish for James that's a heartbreaking story there's other there's other characters you know where you're like hmm you had a bad life but you still shouldn't have made the choices that you made you yeah. know um and that's and that's where the line is you know I'm not trying to I'm not I'm not writing redemption stories hmm. I'm just writing stories that people can relate to better and give these you know give these people voices and and a reason why they you know chose the things that they did and the paths that they took yeah absolutely well that definitely came across um you know for myself and james it, it was it, it it wasn't hard at all to really get into the the mindset of james it, it seemed just so it's just easy for me to slip inside because i saw so many parts of myself in that character and it was almost like you were writing it you know for for me and i bet a lot of people have had that experience and i guess that it you know it comes from as you said being honest and putting parts of yourself into that uh, into every book and into every character but also maybe um as you said as we sort of talked about at the start um with your theater background and that kind of puts you in a position to be you know put your yourself in that character while writing do you think that that's that's maybe why it has that effect because you're you're really feeling that character as you write it i absolutely feel like that is part of the reason why I'm able to to capture these characters the way that I do because I do feel like I become them or at least I fall in love with them for yeah. a time as I'm writing them you know because I mean obviously they just they become their own person in my imagination but of course I'm, I mean all writers put something of themselves into their characters I think I just it sounds so cheesy but I like <laughs> I fell in love with James while I was writing his story you know yeah. he's just so he was charming. And it feels weird to talk about somebody that I wrote and, you know, have all these attributes about them that I love, but they become their own person. You know, they're like, mm. they live out, he lives outside of myself now because he's with all of you, right? All the people yeah. in the story. And, and I just, I love him. I love like how charming he is and the fact that he loves to read books and that he was so inspired, you know, by pirates and there's a, like this innocence to him that and and bravery that we didn't get to see in the Peter Pan film you know yeah and I wanted him to be a brave pirate I wanted him to be formidable I wanted him to be smart I wanted him to have glorious adventures before he got stuck in Neverland forever. When dealing in the environments such as, you know, the Disney universe with paranormal, mystical, etc., uh, world building uh, can be so, it is so important. When when prepping Never Never uh, ready for the narration process, I, I, I was blown away by how sucked into that world I was right from the get-go. Is, is world building always on the forefront of your mind? Is it an active sort of thought, you know, drawing the reader in through, you know, building that world and environment? The more, the longer I've been a writer, the more I've realized that like, I really love and thrive in world building and, and, and describing environments. Um, I think that might have a lot to do with my background in writing for comic books because it's a visual medium. And yeah. so I would <clears throat> describe in detail for my art, you know, the artists that I worked with, how I wanted, you know, how I wanted things to look. And, mm -hmm. you know, and so I think that a lot of my world building environment, you know, describing came naturally because, because of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I just, 
I often, I mean, every single one of the books in the villain series has some kind of beautiful house. (laughs) (laughs) There there has to be a beautiful house in which I can describe. (laughs) And and they always have a solarium because I want a solarium. But, you know, it's funny, like the last few, like James's, James's story didn't have a house because I, all the books, like the last three books in this particular arc were based in London. And I'm, I'm a huge fan of like Downton Abbey, um, Upstairs, Downstairs, The Duchess of Duke Street, like all those shows. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I'm like, when I was doing Cruella's story and Lady Tremaine's story, I was like in that world. I was like, oh, well, this is going to be like a house on Eaton Square, and I like, <laughs> like, and I know what I know what the servants' quarters look like. It was literally like the the house um, in upstairs, downstairs, the the old the old one, not the not the new one. Yeah. So like, I'm into it. Like, I love I love creating worlds, but I also like drawing from worlds and places that are inspiration to me. Yeah, absolutely. I get that. You mentioned um, going back to, to comics now. Did I have a question about comics? So it, it's right when um, when it comes to writing comics and, and working with an illustrator or, you know, sometimes a, a design team or um, how does that collaboration work? Are you working parallel to each other throughout the process? Is it, you know, one, you know, do you write the whole thing and then, you know, pass it on? How, do, how does that work? Um, it works differently depending upon which company you're working with. Um, I started my career off doing independent comics. So I was with a, Mm -hmm. with a very small publisher um, called SLG. Um, They were popular in the nineties for publishing some sort of like darker Gothic type comics like Loom Cookie, Nightmares and Fairy Tales, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and Lenore. Um, We had our own freedom to, to do things the way that we liked. Um, it wasn't like a big, you know, big publishing house. So the way that it would generally work is I would write the script and I give it to the illustrator. And they, um, the way that I did it personally is I would have them do thumbnails. Well, mm-hmm. let's, let's backtrack first, actually. First, the first thing that I like to do is sit down and decide how the character is gonna look. So I will write up descriptions of how I want the characters to look. Sometimes I'll give um, like visual reference, Mm -hmm. uh, like an actor, or it depends upon the artist. Some like that, some don't. Um, I will usually just describe them. They'll draw them. Sometimes it'll be perfect the first time. Sometimes little tweaks will need to happen. But for me, it's always important to get that nailed down before we sit down and actually do the book, right? So we've got the characters nailed down. And then I'll give them the script and they'll thumbnail it. Um, the script will, I, I do long, um, long script, which means I'll say page one, panel one, and I'll describe everything that's happening in panel one. And I will include the dialogue of, you know, the characters, page one, panel two. So it's very, it's like a very detailed version of a script. Some people are looser in the way they write their scripts. There's no definitive way to do it. Um, And then, you know, the artist will come back to me with uh, thumbnails. I'll, you know, look at them and be like, great, that looks awesome. Or if maybe I had a different vision, we might chat about it, see what we think. And then they'll do pencils and then I'll look at those and they'll do inks and I'll look at those. And then we get into the lettering process. Um, Yeah, I, it's, it's usually like the art writer, um, you know, kind of going back and forth. So Gloom Cookie was, you know, this gothic, supernatural uh, comic. Villains, of course, uh, deals with uh, Disney's antagonists. Have you, have you always been drawn to the darker characters? Is it is it true when they say that the baddies are, are more often than not the more interesting characters to explore? Do you think? I think they are. Um, I, I I don't know if it's like specifically like villains that I've been drawn to. I mean, mm. certainly I am drawn to them, but I wouldn't say entirely. Um, but yeah, I mean, growing up, my my dad was really into like older like horror films, and yeah. we would watch. We would watch like you know, of course, the old like Universal monster films, but we loved 
watching movies with like, you know, Basil Rathbone and, and Vincent Price and Lon Chaney. And I just really love that aesthetic, mm. you know, I guess, and I love, I love a good ghost story. I love a good Gothic, you know, horror story. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah. So, and we would watch things like, um, you know, the Twilight Zone and uh, Night Gallery and, and, and different things. And I, so I think I've always been intrigued by darker stories. And so, I mean, it would make sense when Disney approached me and asked if there were any characters I'd be interested in writing about, I chose the villains because yeah. they just seemed, I would have the most fun you know, having an opportunity to play with those characters. Did you have the idea kind of before they suggested it or was it simply they, they suggested, well, they sort of came to you and said, would you like to do this? And then suddenly the ideas came racing to you. Well, I mean, I suppose the ideas were in the back of my mind growing up watching the films yeah. and having questions as I was watching them, you know, for example, with Maleficent, uh, wondering why was she so displeased to not be invited to a christening like what is behind that why she said why was she so angry that she was it couldn't have been just that because she wasn't invited right mm. there had to be more to it and so that was always at the back of my mind and I think I would always ask well why is Ursula so upset something between her and Triton must have happened for her to want to take over this like people just don't I mean, I suppose there are people who just do evil things for the sake of being evil. But in my mind, I felt like there was reasons behind, there was motivations behind these, these characters' actions. So yeah, in the back of my mind, yeah. it was there. Um, but I hadn't formulated the idea of the series before Disney came to me. Um, Disney, one of the, um, the editors at Disney, the, the, my original editor that I started working with uh, at the time, was working for Vertigo, which is an imprint of, of DC Comics. Yeah. And he read um, a comic that I was doing at the time called Nightmares and Fairy Tales. And that was a series of short um, retellings of fairy tales and um, horror stories. And it was all, like Connective Thread was a doll. And this doll would, as it passed from person to person, we would learn their story. And there was a lot of fairy tale retellings as well as like modern day modern day like horror stories as well and he liked it he liked what I was doing with the fairy tales and asked if I'd like to have lunch at San Diego comic-con and then asked me you know like I, I like what you're doing with your comics and I would love to have you you know write something for Disney and at first I thought he meant you know graphic novels he's like no a yeah. novel and I'm thinking, gosh, well, I've never written a novel before. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> and, and he's like, oh, I definitely think you can from everything that I've read. I think you can, you know, why don't you just, why don't you just try it out? And, uh, you know, he's like, who would you like to write about? And I was like, well, gosh, you know, I want to write about the Wicked Queen from Snow White. Yeah. <laughs> well I think actually I first said I want to do Maleficent I said I want to do Maleficent because she's my all-time favorite yeah and, and he's like well how would you feel about doing the Wicked Queen like you know starting with that I was like oh gosh yeah I love her too and <laughs> I mean, that's really how it how it came about and you know we had hoped it would be a series you know but we didn't know yeah. We didn't know if there'd be an audience for it. And, you know, it, it was a little uh, shaky though at first because, you know, the series didn't really get like, you know, really kind of take off until probably around the time that the Ursula book came, you know, came out. Mm. And I, I wasn't certain that they would be continuing the series, but now like the readership you know they're they're devoted <laughs> they want they want more and more and I'm just so thankful that I got a chance to not you know to learn how to become an author while yeah. having an audience is a very it's a very interesting experience I mean that's that must have been incredible right at the start I mean I guess I mean I was going to ask did it sort of when you were asked about, you know, if you wanted to, you know, if there's anyone you wanted to write about at Disney, when you were posed that question, I was going to ask, oh, did it feel like a sort of change in, you know, did it feel like a big moment? But then as, I, I suppose it sort of rarely does, does it, until we look back on things like that? I think the 
at the time I was just afraid that I couldn't do it. Yeah. Well, because I had just sort of ventured into writing comic books and I was finally sort of feeling like comfortable doing that and feeling like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm getting my bearings. I, I know what I'm doing here, creating comics. And um, then I was asked to do this like entirely new thing, but it it taught me something very important. I mean, obviously we have never done the thing before that we've done for the first time, you know? And so I'm just, anytime, uh, now I'm looking for things that I haven't done before. And I keep trying to challenge myself and do something I've not done before. Um, And, and, you know, learn how to do it in, in that process. And I'm so glad that I did. I mean, it it did feel big because I felt intimidated, but the, the um, editor that I worked with was so gracious and so like informative. And he taught me, he taught me how to write for, you know, write in prose. Yeah. And um, he changed my life by, by, by doing that because he showed me you know, he showed me something new and showed me that that was something that I can do. And, you know, I'm lucky now to be able to keep doing it. That's fantastic. I, yeah, it's it's that collaboration aspect of, of, of creative work, which I think often gets overlooked, I think. Um, you know, everyone, especially on, you know, in the, the, the certain areas where um, it can just sort of seem like it's like a one person doing everything. And, and, and you sort of don't realize that the, this, uh, you know, a team of people working towards this, uh, the same goal. And I think that's that's the really exciting thing about a lot of creative work. It's the same with um, audio books. You know, you've got, of course, you have the narrator, but then you also have the editor, the proofer. Um, you know, you have the production staff and, and it's it's lots of people working towards the same goal. And I think that's um, a really nice thing. It is. I mean, and that's absolutely the case in, in publishing. You know, we have mm. amazing editors that that help us and hold our hand through the parts of the book that we're struggling with and sometimes bring things to our attention that we didn't recognize or, yeah. you know, I feel so lucky the, the editor, you know, that I'm working with now, I have an unconventional way of the way that I, the way that I uh, do my drafts. Um, mm. My first drafts are very bare bones. Um, and I, I was afraid when we first started working together that she wouldn't understand that process, you know, that she would think, oh gosh, like, what is this? Like, this is a first mm. draft. But she was immediately able to see the potential and see where I was going and and entrusted my process. And now, I mean, you know, we've been working together for a while. So she has all the faith in me that, you know, I'm going to continue to, you know, put these books out the way that way that I have. I do. I just do more of my work in second draft than I do than I do in first yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for her and the copy editing and, and, and I mean, the legion of people behind making these books happen, they wouldn't be happening. It's not all just me, you know, and <laughs> the, 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 and, then, and that same absolutely goes for a collaboration with an artist on a comic book. It's equal, you know, we wouldn't yeah. have a comic book if it weren't for an artist, you know, or the writer, you know, it's, it's it's a, and then of course there's like you know if there's a different inker or letterer there's pe- different people who color it and then of course there's the editors there's a huge team behind everything that happens in yeah. the entertainment industry so you're right not everybody gets the credit that they deserve i've been told to say that by my editor <laughs> <laughs> you've been told to say that by your editor <laughs> <laughs> Send your editor some flowers or some whiskey or something. And let them- <laughs> <laughs> she certainly deserves it. I just have one more question. It's on it's on the topic of writer's block, which I know comes up a lot. And opinions on this can differ so greatly, um, you know, from writers like, you know, Aaron Sorkin, who says that he's in like a constant state of writer's block. And then there's also those who say that it doesn't exist and it's just a form of procrastination. Um and I just, I'd love to he- hear your take on this and, and your experiences with this. Well, I think that, I think that it's a personal experience for everybody. I, I think it's, it's, it would be odd to say that, that just because something doesn't exist for you or does exist for you, it doesn't mean that that's what somebody else's experience is. You know, yeah. I think personally, it all comes down to brain chemistry. Um, you know, we can talk about 
the muse or we can talk about inspiration or we could talk about being blocked for me um i like to spend i like to spend uh the first chunk of my deadline thinking about the story and thinking about like what i'm going to write i mean yes i've already got my outline and i've already done all the thinking but it's sort of like this prep mode like mm. of mentally putting myself in the right place to sit down and compose the words rather than composing them in my mind and i think i, I can only hypothesize that that might be what other writers consider writer's block because they're not ready to get to the laptop or their computer or however they write their stories. They're not ready yeah. to get to that place yet. And so they're feeling blocked. They can't get themselves to, to get the words down yet. Yeah. Um, and I think in the past, I might have misunderstood that myself and that's why I'm, I'm coming up with this hypothesis. But mm -hmm. I've learned to, I've learned to just realize that that's part of my process, that I'm gonna take a, a full month from the beginning of my deadline to just just be and think about you know we'll just use james for example because that was the last book you know just think about james think uh, visualize where you know what the things that i want him to do um you know have conversations like with him in my mind of you know like oh wouldn't it be great if james like talked to the mermaids when he's yeah. in you know in neverland and will those mermaids have anything important to impart with him oh i think it should you know just you know all those things and then something clicks in your brain you have a different mm. brain chemistry like when you're like oh i'm ready to sit down i'm ready to sit down and tell the story now i'm ready to type it up and because i think often and i'm not sure if other writers feel this way, but I know certainly people who aren't writers think this way. They think that the work, like working part is just sitting down and typing up your, your story. And there's so much more work that goes into it in your mind ahead of time, at least for me. So I don't know if I ever feel blocked. I just don't feel ready to sit down and type it yet. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. I've struggled, you know, with um, I try and write a little bit um, just for, you know, just for um, getting things out of my, my brain, really. I sort of use it as, a, as therapy. Um, and uh, yeah, as I, I, I think I think you may have just hit the nail on the head for me, to be honest, because I always try and, you know, I always, you know, go internal and think, oh, there must be something wrong with me today. Um, or, the, you know, I'm doing it, you know, I'm doing it wrong. But then, no, you might be right. I think it's, I think it's just I'm I'm not ready for that stage yet. Um, yeah, you just yeah. you just have to trust your pro that that's part of the process that gets you to where you need to be to write your story. It used to throw me into a panic, like for the first few books, yeah. it would throw me into a panic. I'm like, I'm wasting a month at this deadline. What am I doing? Like, why can't I write? Why can't I do it? And then once I started trusting it it's so much easier <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like one less thing to stress about <laughs> yeah absolutely and you, you, as you say you just got to trust that process and it's all it's all a journey isn't it it's all a creative journey of getting to know yourself and getting to know how you how you work and uh, and 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 coming to terms with that and being okay with that yeah absolutely and i think that if we would just be a little bit, you know, kinder to ourselves, especially in our creative process, which is so rife with emotion already. You yeah. know, like we'd all we'd all be a little a little more sane. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's been um, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. To um, to finish us off, is there is there any upcoming? I know you've mentioned a few um that you may not be able to talk about, but is there is there anything any upcoming projects, anything approaching in the diary that you're excited about and could perhaps tell us a little bit about? Oh, I'd love to. Um, I have two new books coming out in September. This coming up September, uh, one is "How the Villains Ruined Christmas." It's a, a beautiful, beautiful little picture book. Um, illustrated by Joey Cho and it's just it's gorgeous and it's the first 
first time I ever wrote like a rhyming children's book and I had a lot of fun with it and I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to seeing what the what the wee ones think of it when, yeah. <laughs> when parents give it to them for the holidays um and that's coming out that's both the books that I'm mentioning now both come out on September 6th um the other one uh that's coming out is called Raising the Horseman and it is the uh, story of uh, Sleepy Hollow. It's a retelling yeah. of the tale of Sleepy Hollow, but it's from Katrina Van Tassel's point of view. Um, and I'm, I'm, I feel so close to the story, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what readers think of it. It's there's there's two different timelines happening with this Horseman story. There's like the original Katrina Van Tassel. Um, you know, in the time of Sleepy Hollow, and then there's her ancestor, who is like a, a like a great 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 times a million, like a granddaughter, who's reading her grandmother Katrina's um, diary. And as Kat is reading Katrina's diary, she's starting to realize that their lives are parallel, and that there's like similar things going on in each other's lives. And she discovers the true legend of Sleepy Hollow through reading her reading her grandmother's diary. So, yeah, I love I love the legend of Sleepy Hollow. It's yeah. I love the Headless Horseman. I love it's like one hundred percent in my wheelhouse of like stories to write. And when I my editor, I think it was the second draft, she was like Serena, this was the story you were meant to write. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I hope, I hope that readers agree when it comes out in September. I'm sure they will love it. Um, yeah, that sounds fantastic. It sounds really, really fantastic. Uh, all of the relevant links to, uh, you know, social media accounts and websites and all that information um, will be linked in the description uh, and in the show notes. Um, I think that just about does it for this episode of the Audiobook Club. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. And another huge thank you to you, Serena, for joining us. Thank you for having me. And, and thank you again for doing such a brilliant job on narrating James in in Never Never. It was it was my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thank you for letting me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Audiobook Club. This episode was sponsored by Pro Audio Voices. If you have a story you want to bring to life, head over to ProAudioVoices.com to get in touch with industry professionals that can take care of every step of production, as well as offer support and guidance with marketing, growing your brand, and boosting your sales. Once again, that's ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.